Welcome, everyone, to episode 51 of the Water Cooler Podcast. And joining me again on this podcast is Tommy from You Dive Deep, my good friend, Tommy. How are you doing? You know, I'm so excited. Anytime I hear that drop, I know it's going to be a vibes. And kind of being able to join here with a legendary person like you, it's this is a recipe for some fun. I, no, I, I I love that you call me legendary just because like I just kind of find myself totally ordinary. But uh, I just I don't know. I feel like we vibe like just perfectly. So I had to get you back on like we, we vibed like with Cameron. But I like we started talking a lot like after we I recorded with you and I discovered that you're a big sports fan, right? Oh, man. I feel like sports runs my life a lot. And I feel like a lot of this is because, as a lot of people know, English is actually my second language. So it's almost like I use sports as my safe haven to kind of fit in a little bit more. And so what used to be first like a defense mechanism back in the day, now it turned into a real passion and love. Yeah, I think a lot of people like look at me like because I'm I'm a pretty nerdy guy and they just kind of like, oh, what, nerds, you, you like sports? And I'm like, yeah. I'm like, if it gets me hyped and gets me vibing in the right in in the right way, like I I love anything that just like can send send me like good emotions and just good feelings. But uh, since you're a big sports fan, I asked you to pick some of your top five favorite sports moments of all time. And I did the same. Uh, so without further ado, Tommy, what's your number five? You know, now thinking about this list, it kind of looks silly because it should have been like top five sports moments that I've experienced in my lifetime. Where I was like, yo, that's hype. And that's probably where I should have went. But I was like, nah, let me be hipster and read it way too close to the book. And let me just pick the top five sports moments ever because I'm a big fan of history as well. So number five is kind of weird, like I said. It is from the 1988 NBA Slam Dunk Contest. And the reason I bring this up is this is where MJ pretty much became an icon. I mean, he went head-to-head with the human highlight film, you know, Dominique Wilkins. Uh, I actually Mm -hmm. met him before, so that's a story for another time. But they kind of went back and forth, back and forth. But then that's where that iconic dunk where MJ kind of jumped from the free throw line. You know, he looked like he was flying. He had so much uh, hang time. That's where they called him Air Jordan. And that's actually that silhouette is what inspired his brand's logo, you know, Jordan with Nike. So not only did MJ become arguably the GOAT of all sports essentially you know next to like muhammad ali kind of thing but mj became mj that night along with the fact that he essentially revitalized nike like he put nike back on the map at this time it was all like reebok adidas uh all these different kind of like shoes but then nike was able to land um you know jordan and then i don't know there's just so many different things that happened in this one night where i was like holy smokes i can't not put this on here yeah, that's that's a really good moment. Like that was such like a such a good like back and forth like battle. Like like they they kept on topping each other. And but I like that you said that like this like that moment is like when Jordan became a brand. I I can't really think of any new player today like that had that same moment like Michael Jordan did. Like like especially with like just the way he looked flying through the air it's like that like you said it like it mimicked like the logo it's like it I, like i can't really think of like lebron james like having like anything like like he, lebron james had really good moments like throughout his career but i can't really think of like something that defined his career like that did for jordan yeah like mj had so many different moments like the flu game or the shot mm-hmm. uh he had so many different moments but for some reason anytime i think of jordan you know you think of him with his tongue out having his 
you know, his attitude kind of show from his play. But it's that one moment when you're like, this guy is not human. I know there's so many athletes nowadays I can do it because athletes nowadays are freaks. Like they're just ridiculous. They're like mutants essentially. But when Michael Jordan did that way back in the late eighties, it was just something to behold. And it's something that I still feel till this day will always be looked back on saying, Holy smokes. This was the golden age of basketball, the best basketball player in the world. And he's just doing it. And one thing I wanted to put is, I feel like a reason why this moment is magnified and even more iconic is the fact that, unfortunately, the slam dunk contest has been getting kind of stale, right? I don't know how much you follow the NBA. I don't follow it, like, super closely, but I follow it enough to be a nice casual fan. Uh, And, you know, I like to watch the All-Star Weekend here and there, you know, watch a three-point contest, all that kind of stuff. But whenever I watch a dunk contest nowadays, I'm like, man, maybe it's just because I'm like, oh, it was better back in the day, but... I honestly feel like the dunk contest back in the day was so much more exciting than what we see now. Yeah, it. I totally agree with you. And I think that I won't watch another dunk contest unless Aaron Gordon is is participating and he actually oh, wins. Oh, man, he's so good. He's so good. And like every single time he's in a dunk competition, he always gets like, like the judges. I feel like the judges are just, they favor like one player over the other. They're not actually oh, yeah. looking. It's almost, see... It kind of turns into a popularity contest a little bit. Like he, yeah. Aaron, uh, who you're talking about, has such creative dunks and like a feat of athleticism. But if he goes up against, uh, I don't know, I'm just trying to think someone else that has been winning. But like, it, it could just be any star player, really. Like Giannis Antetokounmpo could be in the dunk contest and he could just do like, I'm not saying a standard dunk, just like a pretty cool dunk. But they'll love that way more because it's like Giannis, you know? Yeah, just because he's like, he's everywhere. Like he's yeah. like, he, he's on like the like TV ads and just like his, like everyone loves the the Greek freak. It's just like, yeah, it's a, it's all like a social media game and all popularity contests. Like I totally agree. But, um, but yeah, that's, that's a really good moment. My moment is uh, rather recent. It comes from the FIFA World Cup the most recent one in Russia. Uh, It is against England and Croatia and Kieran Trippier scoring his first goal and for his country. It is Kieran Trippier. It is delicious. Glorious, glorious England goal. Picture perfect. There is not a better strike than that. During this World Cup is when I really got into like soccer like i've always loved soccer like growing up but like so i did you watch any of like the the world cup games Tommy? oh dude i love watching soccer so one quick thing i watch almost every type of sport i could possibly consume and of course my big one is definitely football hockey really like basketball like i mentioned but more as a casual fan i even like watching golf but soccer's up there when it just comes to like just watching a sport on television football or Sorry, American football is my number one for sure. Number mm-hmm. two is what would shock a lot of people. It's actually soccer or football or whatever you want to call it. I try to follow the Premier League pretty closely. You know, got to watch a little bit of La Liga to see Messi and whatnot. But anytime the World Cup's on, it's just different. It hits different. I don't have your list in front of me. So the fact that you picked this clip is phenomenal. I remember watching this live. Uh, if I remember correctly, it, it wasn't a penalty, but it was like a direct kick. And then he curved it right past the wall if i'm remembering correctly I, I i could be mistaken but he carries it right over hits right like top right corner and it was honestly just i don't know just watching it gives me goosebumps and listen to that broadcast 
goosebumps. Yeah, it's it, like I lo- like when I watch sports, like I, I love like seeing like the athletic side, but I also like hearing like the calls and you'll see that uh, or hear that in my list. I love it. Like when the broadcasters just get almost as excited as me. Like I remember when I saw this goal, like for the first time I was, I was sitting at a pub and like how I said pub because soccer, I was kidding. No, <laughs> no. Uh, I, I was, and I almost spilled, spilled my beer. I was just like, it was such a glorious goal. It was just, uh, I don't know. I don't think people, a lot of people understand how difficult it is to curve like the ball over the wall that they have that they're that the player other team is like trying to protect the goal. Like he curved it over and just got it over, uh, got it over them and hit it in the right corner. It's like, it, I, I was so hype. And, and it also is his first goal for his country. It's like, I think that it, it just everything about that, like that moment, it just had me so hype. I love it. <laughs> One thing that you're alluding to that I completely agree with is the fact that commentators add so much to the moment. Like what Mm -hmm. you're mentioning right now, the goal itself was magnificent. It was world class. But then to add the hype of the commentator being so passionate, screaming, if you will. And then you have like pan shots of, you know, everyone in the crowd going crazy beer in hand and they're all hugging each other. It's just it honestly elevates the moment to something truly memorable. I'm not saying that if you were to watch the game on mute, you wouldn't be hype. I mean, like we said, just watching it happen and that goal was awesome but then you add everything else, you can't be, like, you don't even have to be a fan of soccer to watch that and be like, holy smokes, that was awesome. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, that 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 was my number five. I There's multiple moments that I could pick from that entire World Cup, uh, but that was just the one that just, it just gave me goosebumps. Even if I listened, to, like you said, like, listen with the sound off, I was just like, oh my God. This is this is incredible, and it it was it was very sad that they ended up losing that game, England. But uh, I was very happy for Croatia too because they're like the super, they're like a small, like one of the smallest countries, like like ever to make it to a World Cup final. I'm like, I it, I don't know. It's I'm so I'm so hyped for the for the World Cup in 2022. So, oh yeah, I'm counting down the days, or I should say like weeks because it's so far away. But still, anytime the World Cup comes on. Uh, I always passively watch soccer, but whenever that starts to come up and I start seeing the list of who's going to be representing their country and stuff, I'm like, okay, now now this is getting really exciting. Uh, hopefully uh, um, America can represent. Finally qualify for once? Oh my gosh, don't even get me started. Right, yeah. Uh, I won't get you started, but I can get you started with your number four, Tommy. Yes, sir. Let's play it. Johnson, 19 seconds. Johnson over to Ramsey. Big election off, gets checked by Ramsey. McClanahan is there, the puck is still loose. 11 seconds, you've got 10 seconds. The countdown going on right now. Morrow, up to Schultz. Five seconds left in the game. Do you believe in miracles? Yes! Unbelievable. I love that you picked this clip, Tommy. It's it's absolute it's, goosebumps. I know I've said that already, but do you believe in miracles? Like that is such an iconic moment. Like mm-hmm. I like people who don't even like hockey. When you say miracle on ice, they at least know a little bit of what you're trying to refer to. Mm-hmm. But it, it it was absolutely unbelievable. So uh, people who may not know, uh, this was when U.S. in the 1980s 
or yeah, yeah, sorry, sorry. This was when the U.S. played Russia in 1980 in, of course, the Winter Olympics. And we went up against the Soviet Union. And the reason why this was so big was there was so much political drama that was currently happening that kind of involved this whole, uh, you know, Winter Olympics. The Soviet, the kind of the tension with the Cold War. The U.S. actually boycotted the 1980 Summer Games in Moscow. And it was kind of ridiculous. Like, there were so many. And we weren't even supposed to. We kind of sent a bunch of scrubs, if you will. Like, just a bunch of college prospects. We're just like, ah, oh, whatever. Like, we're, we're not going to win because the Soviets absolutely dominate every single time. What did like, the U.S. do? I mean, we may have never fired a nuke at them, but we beat them at their favorite game on the biggest stage with a team filled with underdogs. And it, it was unbelievable. Like, it, it wasn't supposed to happen. Like, our expectations were so low. We're like, oh, you know, you know, if U.S. gets, like, bronze, I mean, that'd be kind of dope. And then to go all the way out there and then pull off the, one of the biggest miracles. I mean, there's a reason why they made movies after it and stuff like that, right? Yeah, exactly. And I love that you you picked this clip just because probably one of my favorite things about sports and like also like the Olympics and just, and, and the world cup in general is that you have like these countries competing on like a very friendly and also just competitive level without weapons or like violence or, or, or like guns mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And, and they're basically just dropping all their differences, and, but they're still, there's still a rivalry because it's like everyone's kind of going for like their team and stuff like that. I just see that as like, I've I've never been someone that loves war at all, but like I could totally get down with like just like the Olympics about these teams like like fighting for their country. It's, I feel like that's that's the way you should fight for your country. I love that you mentioned that because kind of with the World Cup and of course with the Olympics that is going to be happening uh, soon this year actually is. It's just a bunch of athletes, a bunch of human beings, all competing and just playing a game. There are so much language barriers, culture shocks, all these different things that surround. But at the end of the day, it's just people playing a game and just trying to be the best at it. It doesn't matter where you were born. doesn't matter what kind of formal training you have had. At the end of the day, it's one stage, one opportunity, let's see who comes out on top. And I feel like it's in that very moment that kind of neutralizes absolutely everything. And that's why your clip of the World Cup and now this with the Olympics, it kind of really shines that type of light. And Man, we are off to a hot start right now. Exactly. So I guess I'll move on to my number four. And if Tommy, you know me pretty well. So I think you could probably guess what my number four is, but I'll play it. Differential, game number five coming down to the final seconds, as did game number four. But the Lakers have a one-point lead. To Bibby has the open shot. Excuse me, I'm crying a little bit. Um, <laughs> uh, the that that moment. I'm a huge Sacramento Kings fan. If you, if you, Tommy, you know this, but it's oh, definitely like seeing like this clip every single time, Mike Bibby hitting that shot to win the game for game five. It just brings tears to my eyes that we, that this, that's the Sacramento Kings team couldn't finish it out in 2002 against the Lakers. 
and I'm not I'm not here to be controversial with game six. I'm still just going to focus on this moment, but I just love like this clip. Sacramento, it was they're playing at home in Sacramento, and that arena got so loud that I think the arena just like the roof just blew off. I love that you can't even hear like the announcer Marv Albert. He's like basically just trying his best to like talk over the fans. I love this moment for in pretty much every single reason that we talked about already. Like it was, it was a great call, just a great moment. Mike Bibby taking the screen off of Weber and hitting the shot to like, not, not totally a game winner. Cause the Lakers still had a chance, but they, the Sacramento defended and they won game five. We won't talk about game six or game seven. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, that was back when I feel like uh, the arena was called like the Arco Arena or something like that. And mm-hmm. I remember it was just so absolutely deafening when he sunk that shot, from what I remember, at least. And uh, I'm trying to remember that game if exactly what happened. I think from what I'm picturing it, like I said, I don't have the list in front of me, so I'm just trying to recall from memory. I remember when that inbounds happened, like someone fell or something, baby just drained it. And all I remember is how loud it was. And then they panned to a shot of Kobe Bryant um, just sitting there, just being like, you got to be kidding me. And you really have to paint the picture of who Sacramento was going up against. The team was Sacramento was great. But I mean, the L.A. Lakers, this is the one with Shaq. With Kobe, it, it it was the team. And to see them kind of, once again, it wasn't the like game winner at the time because he still had a shot, but it was like that ice where you're like, oh, man, Sacramento is not here because of a fluke. They're pretty solid. Let's see what happens. And I don't want to get controversial here, but I, oh, man. Anytime anyone talks about, yo, sports rigged, anytime that comes up, I'm like, oh, yeah, let's talk about the uh, Sacramento final series against the Lakers because there are a lot of questionable calls during that entire series. And uh, once again, I'll take off my tinfoil hat, but let's just say that Sacramento is a smaller market team compared to L.A. And I'm sure the commissioner would have had a big smile on their face if they could continue to build Kobe's and Shaq's legacy. That's all I'll say. Yeah, yeah. I totally agree with you. <laughs> I, I try being a huge Sacramento Kings fan like I am. I try and not think about this series too much, especially game six. But I always I'll have to like, yeah, we lost game six. Uh, but game seven, we were we were at Arco. Like we were home. Like the ball was in our court. But we, we what I always what I always say to like Kings fans that always say game six was rigged. We, I say, well, in game seven, we missed like 17 free throws. So <laughs> didn't do any favors for themselves there, huh? Yeah, exactly. I understand like the like they were probably in shock that they probably should have won game six. But like when it comes to the NBA, especially and even just like big games like this, you got to like step up when you have to. And mm-hmm. like Sacramento just didn't step up as much as uh, like I'm a huge Sacramento Kings fan. It hurts for me to say that, but it's the truth. It's 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 the truth. But I love this moment just because. Mike Bibby is probably one of my favorite Sacramento Kings point guards like of all time. He he I mean he just, deserves it, right? Yeah, he's like he he kind of came in because when we traded him for Jason Williams, Jason Williams was beloved here in Sacramento. And mm-hmm. and like he came in kind of like, "Oh, who's this guy?" And then he comes in and just proves it proves everyone wrong like, "Hey, you love Jason Williams, but you're going to love me more." I think that I think that's just awesome. And we definitely loved him more when he hit that shot. But yeah, mm-hmm. oh uh, no, it was it was a beautiful moment. Yes, uh, but uh, 
Tommy, what is your number three? You know what? Like I said, I'm going to keep leaning into this hipster role. I mean, what number five was all the way from 1988. Then I had Miracle on Ice in 1980. So let's keep taking this time machine going backwards. And let's talk about another absolutely crazy defining moment for the U.S. We had the Miracle on Ice. But let's go down to 1936, the Summer Olympics. Bring back the Olympics again, but now we're focusing on track and field. I'm sure a lot of times if there are any Olympic nuts out there, if I just say 1936, people already know it's going to be about the Summer Olympics. People know I'm going to be talking about Jesse Owens and the fact that he was able to capture four gold medals in a time where Adolf Hitler had this ideology that the uh, Aryan race was superior it was unbelievable. Jesse Owens competed in the 100-meter, 200-meter long jump, and 4 by 100 relays, and he was able to just absolutely dominate and kind of really be like, so, uh, Hitler, what were you saying there? And there's just one phenomenal picture moment that I remember where uh, I think someone from Germany came in second. You know how, like, they stand in those little uh, sections and whoever came in first stands on the highest pillar kind of thing? Yeah. And the person in Germany is doing, you know, the Nazi salute, and Jesse Owens just standing there doing just a regular salute. And it's just a, such a powerful image because I still remember the opening ceremony of this Olympics. There were swastikas everywhere and, you know, uh, being in Germany and everything. Everything was just so hyped up to the point where an American, an African-American, no less, comes in and shows pure dominance. And in my opinion, it, it was such a beautiful moment because it really put – it had to floor uh, Hitler in a way. Because it had to really sit there and be like, oh, okay, maybe we're not superior. But there was just so many different things that kind of symbolize the impact of this one single moment. And once again, I feel like it's magnified because it is the Olympics. It's a culmination of multiple different nations and everyone is watching. People who aren't even sports fans watch. I will be honest and say, no, I don't keep up with track and field. Maybe, maybe I should. Watch it unless it is the Olympics. I don't watch, you know, javelin or hurdles or anything, but when the Olympics are on, I tune in and pay attention. So it's so cool because there are so many people that uh, tune in that aren't sports fans, but especially in this moment in 1936 with all the turmoil and all the tension that were kind of going on to see Jesse Owens really represent and not just represent, just become an absolute physical freak. I think it's just another phenomenal moment. That's like that's really incredible. I honestly forgot about like this moment, so I'm really glad that you like you sent me this clip and just like I'm not like the biggest track and field fan like in the Olympics even or even when the, when the Olympics aren't happening, but seeing like this clip of him just like I always like I'm not the biggest fan, but I appreciate the athleticism there like in track and fields is because I know I can't do it. And like that's also like another reason why I love sports too is that people are doing things that I could never do in a million years. Like especially like like the moment like you just described like like with like just like the stages of like Hitler and stuff like that. He's just like basically just doing the middle finger and but not actually like flipping him off, just flipping him <laughs> off like by competing and shit like that. But it's uh, I it uh, I I love that you picked this moment. It's really great. Yeah, the one last thing I wanted to add in about track and field is I'm definitely not like the biggest fan, but I only like to follow it mostly because it's like for me, the most primitive sport, all other sports, there might be a barrier that keeps people from being able to do it right. Like even soccer, it's such a low budget sport. All you really need is a ball, kick it around. And hey, if you're good, you're good. Whereas track and field running, whatever. 
all you literally need is just a pair of shoes, right? And then you just mm-hmm. go out run. And it's so cool because it really strips everything else out. I understand there's like performance enhancement drugs that could obviously build up your endurance and all that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, it's really cool to see all these different nations just try to bring out their best athletes that could just run. There's no crazy rules. Uh, of course, there is some strategy. I don't want to take anything away from the sport. But at the end of the day, it's just a person just running. And it's if, to me, it's a really beautiful sport to watch. Right. It's so simple. Just because, like, that's a really good point that you make there. Just because, like, track and field is honestly, like, the it, it could be, like, the one sport that all countries can really participate in. Because, mm-hmm. like, you, like, like, you don't even need shoes to run. Like, you just need feet. You just need feet and legs <laughs> and strong legs. It's like... Literally don't even like, have to pay a lot of equipment for, like, hockey or, you know, football, basketball, all that kind of... You don't even need a hoop, a ball, nothing. You just... Yeah, all right, let's see how fast I could just run. And to me, it's just so primitive. Yeah, I, I, I love that. Uh, I love that about track and field, even though I said that like, like I just can't get into it. But uh, I really love this moment. But yeah, that was your number three, right? Was yes, it? sir. Let's keep it rolling. I would. I can't wait to hear what your number two is. Uh, I, I'm pretty predictable with my list. I just realized, but uh, we'll we'll just uh we'll just play my number three. Uh, I'm a huge San Francisco Giants fan, and I was absolutely crushed in 2001 when we were seven ounces away from oh, no. winning the World Series. But in 2010, I'll, well, I'll just play the clip. Renteria, it's a high drive. Deep left center field. David Murphy going back. He's on the warning track. It is gone! Edgar Renteria has hit a three-run homer against Cliff Lee. And the Giants lead here in the World Series 3 to nothing. You, you see, Tommy, uh, I really wanted to use... A Giants versus Phillies one, but I just didn't want to just crush your dreams. <laughs> but 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 I I chose this moment. I mean, Cliff to... Lee was still in there, you know. But, so yeah, a little bit true. of the Phillies in me are like, oh, okay, okay. I still love Cliff Lee, of course. Yeah, but he was with the Rangers, so I guess I get a pass there. But I love this moment so much, based on everything. Like we were seven outs away in two thousand in, in two thousand one. The Giants were knocking on the door, knocking on the door. And I was at like I remember when that happened when the like Dusty Baker takes Russ Ortiz out and I'm like he's having a great game why are you taking him out and I'm like I understand he's probably tired it's a, it's a, like I I'm willing to respect his decision to take out the starting pitcher that is just dealing right now against the uh, Anaheim Angels he puts in he he goes to the bullpen and the Angels just come rattling back. That rally monkey just keeps coming back. Like they called it the rally monkey. And they they just they just come back and they win the game and they end up win, winning the series. And I just remember when that happened, I sank so far deep down in my down in my couch. And like I was absolutely crushed. But hearing Dave Fleming, the KNBR radio radio announcer, calling this Edgar Renteria home run in twenty ten, basically sealing the World Series. I like I I I almost crashed my car to be honest. <laughs> like I, I, I was I was driving home from work. I was so mad at my, the job that I was working at that at that time. I was gonna say I can't believe you weren't watching it. I, I was I, I was so mad at the job. They were like, "Oh no, we need you," and I'm like, "Oh, my team needs me." What are you talking about? Uh, but I I turned on the radio, 
I, I was race I was racing home just to, like just finish out the like the last of the game. I t- I turn it on and I hear that I I swear I almost crashed my car and I probably wouldn't be recording like with you t- uh t- uh with you. So I'm really glad that I didn't. But it was such an awesome moment. I just was like fist pumping my my the roof of my car. Like I was just like I, I and I was crying. I couldn't believe like the like I witnessed like one of my teams winning the world series winning like a championship it was like so incredible and also like dave fleming like he he like he i've read uh read a lot of articles about him calling that call it was his first like call these like big call he's ever had and he was like he wasn't feeling very well that that day and he was like i'm not missing this game i'm not missing this game like so if you hear like in the clip his voice cracks like when the like when the like when he wow. knows it's a home run and I, like that voice crack like I, I will forever live in my live in my consciousness of just like wow he cracked his voice when the giants won the world series i love it so much sorry that was long winded but... <laughs> no no the reason that i took a pause is because i respect it so much uh being a philadelphia fan like you said you said you didn't want to in phillies but for people who are listening i'm i grew up in philadelphia i am a philadelphia trash through and through and i know perseverance more than uh, you can possibly imagine i have so much respect for people who stick with their team and then when they finally get there, when they finally win, you almost, uh, it's so hard to explain as like a sports fan. I feel like the reason why sports are so beautiful, it is like a great neutralizer. It brings everyone together because we're all, it has this camaraderie. Like I could be, um, I could go to a game. Everyone is a complete stranger, but for the three hours I'm watching whatever sport, we're a family. We're all cheering for the same thing. We're all high-fiving. I've never seen them in my life, but there is a bond already. And to know that there is a group of a huge fan base that never gives up on their team. And when they finally get there, it's like um, one moment I was thinking, putting on here for a baseball part was when the Chicago Cubs finally won the World Series. I am not a Cubs fan, but I was so historic because they have not won in over 100 years. And then when it finally happened to see all of these people bawling uh some people going to like the cemetery of their grandparents and then just sitting there saying we did it we finally we finally won like just talking about these kind of moments gives me the goosebumps once again but to hear your passion for this specific moment brings me so much joy and i'm actually a little disappointed that it wasn't your number one yeah well it i i'm actually disappointed in myself it's it wasn't my number one, but I think my number but, one. But it, that means your number one's even that much better. So now I'm excited. I'm buckled in. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I I wanted to pick so many moments from like that Giants World Series run when they won three in five years, but this is the one moment that like I would I like I could pull it out of like I don't even have to like watch like the video or just like I I can like. I basically memorized like that call. I, me- I I can memorize that from uh pull it from memory and stuff like that. Uh I I don't know. It's it, it's such it's such a great moment. And I one more th- uh, like one more thing about like this 2010 World Series is that I remember I I was I was I told myself I was going to go to the World Series parade and I had a final in history that it, in my history uh, I think it was I was like a sophomore in college. I told like my history history instructor i was like hey i'm going to i'm going to this 
to this World Series parade. It, like they haven't won in 54 years. Mm-hmm. And he was a huge Giants fan and he he allowed me to take the final like a day early. And he was like, just That's go, Marley. Amazing. And I'm like, you are the best instructor ever. I'll never have a better instructor. <laughs> that <laughs> yeah. is so beautiful to hear. Yeah. Uh it was it was so great. But but yeah. Uh, Tommy, do you want to lead into your number two? You know, I'm trying to show a lot of different sports, like I said, and I know I kind of did a little bit of foreshadowing that I was thinking of adding in when the Cubs won uh, the World Series finally in 100 years, just a few years ago. But instead, I went with another baseball clip that I feel like, once again, kind of being a little bit of a hipster, it's a little bit of history and a historic moment in U.S. history. The pressure on Jackie Robinson was enormous. The Dodgers owner, Branch Rickey, who took the risk of hiring the first black player, warned Robinson he would be held to the highest standards imaginable. I'll certainly do my very best on the field. I'm very sure you will. I love that you put this clip just because Jackie Robinson, he's a staple in baseball history. Like, even now today, like, there's Jackie Robinson Day. Like like everyone wears number forty two, but I'll I won't be long winded. I'll let you I'll let you talk about like why why you picked this moment. But I love that you picked this. So the elephant in the room that I want to address first of all is I now is kind of puffing my chest saying, Oh, I consume a lot of different sports. I watch everything from golf, tennis, football, like everything. But the one sport that's always been really difficult for me personally, because I guess I'm just some peasant, is it's just been very difficult for me to get into baseball. But even as uh, I can't even call myself a casual fan because I'm not even a fan. That's no disrespect to baseball. That's a me problem, not a baseball problem. But even I understand and respect what Jackie Robinson did when he broke the color barrier on April 15, 1947. Uh, as that clip that you just played, the first African-American first baseman ever, or first African-American ever, sorry. That's why he broke the color barrier. He was a first baseman who played for the Brooklyn Dodgers changed honestly the complexion of the history of the entire game but the one thing that i feel like is overshadowed a lot of people say okay yeah he was the first black person to be able to play baseball play sports he you know big moment but a lot of people forget just how good he was and i know you're a bigger uh baseball nut than i am so you might be able to highlight that a little bit more but first of all he had to be good enough for the owner of you know the Brooklyn Dodgers to be like, yeah, we're going to do this. I mean, let's even think about it nowadays. No one's even, and sorry, I don't want to get uh, polarizing political or controversial, but no one's even taking on Colin Kaepernick on their NFL team because of how much scrutiny and how much, uh, you know, unwanted media attention comes. Jackie Robinson was so good to the point where the owner was like, all right, uh, this is going to be the first black guy ever, and I will sign him to my team. Like, that's how good he was. And he was actually famous at UCLA. And he was actually one of the, like, only four sports varsity lettermen in football, baseball, basketball, and track. And there's even a little rumor that he was the worst at baseball. Like, that's how good of an athlete he was. But he got a break in baseball because, once again, the owner kind of brought him in. And there are so many documentaries to highlight just, not just how good he was as a player, uh, as an athlete, but just how great he was as a human being as well but do you have any recollection i know it's obviously long long before uh we were alive and you know watching baseball but you being a much bigger baseball fan than i am 
do you have any recollection or are you able to kind of recall how good he actually was as a baseball player? Um, well, I've been playing a lot of MLB the show and like I got his I got Jackie Robbins Jackie Robinson's card and I've been playing with him a lot. And like just seeing like how like how how good his fielding was, how fast he was, and just like how well he hit the ball, like it was just absolutely incredible. And I can see why he like every team just wears his number because he was such an important player, not like, like just, just throwing color, like completely aside, like obviously color, like factored into it, but I like Tommy, I've been talking to you for, for, uh, for quite a while now. And we like, we just love, just love in our life. And I love that, that you picked this moment just because the Brooklyn Dodgers owner like loved Jackie Robinson so much he was willing to like be like that first owner to just mm-hmm. to just throw color out the window and just like he he focused on like his baseball skill and not like how he looked and i i just love that i love that about Jackie Robinson how good he was and just like like you said just a great person but it took a lot more it took a lot of courage of the owner to just because there was a lot of racist owners at that time. Like he was, I'm sure Yo, he was it was the forties. That was a super conservative time. So I can't mm-hmm. imagine the amount of backlash that happened. This is when people were still saying like, Oh no, like this is, this isn't a league. This is a sports professional league. We shouldn't have, you know, African-Americans. We shouldn't have black people playing in this league. That's not what we want represented. And that is obviously such an ugly ideology but the reason I'm saying it is just to honestly showcase the mindset that it was back then. Back then, that wasn't a controversial take. That a lot of people say, I mean, you're right. That's completely uh, understandable. But like you mentioned, this owner did not see color. He said, no, this is a great gentleman. Uh, he actually came into the league pretty late. He came in at 28, and he was still great. And some of his accolades... He won Rookie of the Year. He won MVP. He was a six-time All-Star. Uh, he led the league in stealing twice. Was uh, There's just so many things I could go on and on for. And there's so many stats that I have in front of me that I don't even understand. Like, I don't know what WAR is or WAR or whatever that is. But, like, he has so many great statistics to really back up. It wasn't just, like, a, a thing to be like, oh, let me be a hipster and sign the first black person because, you know, that'll make me. No, this guy truly deserved it. And he is what broke that color barrier to allow everyone else behind him to really step up. So I thought, you know, top five sports moment. I mean, does it get any bigger than that? Well, apparently it only comes in at number two. So there is one more moment that is bigger than all that. But I just was happy that I was able to find a baseball clip I was happy for. Yeah. um, And I'm very excited to just like, get you into baseball too just because i th- i feel like i know you try every single you try every single year to get into baseball and you're just like eh, i don't know <laughs> but oh, dude, uh, i've been trying to do fantasy football i've been trying to do or not sorry fantasy baseball and trying to do all these different things i downloaded the show still have yet to play it but like i think you, i think you might be the key marley I, I, i'm leaning on you bud all right well, well we'll have to watch a game like here and there and i'll i'll, I'll get you in the why i love baseball so much i think it might be like my favorite sport of all time but uh that that was a really great moment but uh that was your number two my number two comes from it's from the nba finals and it was i can say i can i can single-handedly say i think he is the greatest three-point shooter of all time so the spurs foul 
in Miami goes for the three right away. Just attack the basket. James catches, puts up the three. Won't go. Rebound box. Back out to Allen. History part of Tie game with five seconds remaining. Spurs do not have a timeout. But the officials are going to review to see if Allen was behind the line. See, I like I am not the biggest fan of the Miami Heat teams because I feel like that's when super teams just became like a thing in the NBA. And I I love super teams as much as the next guy, but I kind of I, I being a Sacramento Kings fan, I love homegrown talent. I love building through the draft. And I'm sure like being a Sixers fan, you like building through the draft, too. But that shot by Ray Allen like it gives me goosebumps to this day. The call by Mike Breen, where he just says "bang," and just seeing like all those Miami Heat fans like come to their feet and just scream and just hu- scream and hug each other. It's just like I like that moment. Like, uh, like I have it in my mind. Just like this is like this is the greatest three point shooter of all time. I know everyone likes to say Steph Curry now, but I- I'm in that camp. Sorry, but I I am. Oh, you are okay. <laughs> I am in the camp that I think Steph Curry is absolutely unbelievable. He's yeah, he, he's he's the best of all times. I, I respect what Ray Allen has done, mostly because that's not how he entered the league. He came in more as a slasher and things, and as he gotten older, he developed an outside game so well to the point where he honestly became arguably, like you're saying, you can make the argument the greatest of all time, the best mm-hmm. three point shooter. But that moment that you're speaking of, the reason I love it so much is so many people in Miami thought they already lost after he sunk that shot. There's a clip where so many people are trying to come back into the arena because mm-hmm. that happened. It was a moment where no one was, it was one of the clutchest shots ever. See, that's why I, that's why when, even when my team is down, I stay sitting, seating in my seat. Like it's like, I even if we're getting blown out by like 40 points, which I'm a Sacramento Kings fan, I'm used to it. But you never know like how a game is going to end. Like it, like I, I always believe in seeing everything through to the end and the people that were sitting in those seats, they saw it all through to the end and they like, they just like that in American airlines arena, that, that, that arena was just like, it was on fire at that point. It was just, I, I, I just love LeBron seeing that James clip. has to be sending Ray Allen like a fruit basket every single year on that day, right? Being like, yeah. yo, thank you so much for hitting that shot. Because, uh, of course, LeBron James' legacy is, you know, one of the greatest of all times. Mm-hmm. But if Ray Allen did not hit that shot and Spurs won, I mean, come on. LeBron already gets memed a lot on how many times he lost in the finals here and there, right? So mm-hmm. if they were to now lose that one with that super team as well, I mean, his legacy wouldn't look that hot. So I feel like he has to be sending Ray Allen a little bit of a check every single year being like, yo, thanks, man. Yeah, exactly. I, uh, I going back to Steph Curry, like I still believe Steph Curry is like the greatest of all time, but Ray Allen, like he, I feel like he deserves credit, especially for oh, 100%, 100%. Ray Allen has the most beautiful look. It's robotic almost. He's mm-hmm. just so automatic. It's unbelievable. Yeah, it, I just love it. Like when you see shooters like him or even Steph Curry, when they shoot the ball, you just know it's in. It's in. This is, can I get the ball and just go down the court? Just like, like I know it's not in yet, but I already know it's going to go in. I, I, I love players like that so much, and it kills me inside that the Kings didn't draft Steph Curry. But we won't go there. 
but <laughs> <laughs> I was just watching Seth Curry's uh, highlights from his 2015-2016 season when he won unanimous MVP. Mm-hmm. I I'm gonna be honest. I I mean I play a lot of 2K here and there. I don't even think I could do what he does in that video game unless I change the sliders. Like in a video game in its normal settings, and I play with Steph Curry, I can't do what Steph Curry did in real life unless I cheat the game. Like he is just so, and I understand there's a lot of recency bias here. And a big reason why I wanted to create a top five list that was so historic and such a big moment in sports history that were so historic and things like that was because I wanted to abolish the recency bias. But for me personally, I can't not put, I can't, I don't want to punish Steph Curry and be like, oh, I just can't put you in here because you're still active because you're not like everything I've seen from this kid. He, he revolutionized the way that the game is played. Let's just put it that way. Ray Allen was great. One of the greatest of all times, the three point shooting, but just look at how Steph Curry changed the NBA. There's only a few people that were so good that literally changed how it's played. And Steph Curry was one of them. Well, they went is- so smaller. The um, centers are now trying to shoot. They're stretching it out. People go small. And it's all because of Steph Curry. Yeah, and, and that entire Warriors team, I feel like that, like, I I have a lot of Warriors fans that listen to this podcast, so they're going to be happy. But that 2015-2016 Warriors team, the one without Kevin Durant, with Harrison mm-hmm. Barnes, Draymond Green, that entire Warriors team just changed the NBA. Like you saying that you don't need you, you really don't need like a center like Draymond's going to be your center. And he's going to be like your your brawn Steph Curry's. He's obviously your shooter. Then you got Harrison Barnes. You can kind of do a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm, right? mm-hmm. It's yeah. Uh, then, of I, course, you got Clay out there. The Splash Brothers between mm-hmm. Clay and Steph. When Clay is hot, dude, dude, he is from another stratosphere. Yeah. Like, when Clay is hot, he's so good to the point where. Steph Curry is just like, you know what? I'm not going to shoot anymore. I'm just going to keep giving it to Clay. And this is, in my opinion, one of the greatest basketball players in the world at the time, kind of being like, no, I'm just going to keep feeding Clay because he is that good when he's it. They would just go nuclear sometimes. And I would just be sitting here eating some popcorn, being like, I, uh, normally, back, like way back then when I was more casual basketball, I was like, oh, I only need to watch the fourth quarter of basketball because that's when it, that's really the only time it really matters. But whenever. Call me a bandwagon. Call me whatever you want. But whenever Golden State was playing, I would be sitting on the edge of my seat being like, yo, what are these guys going to do tonight? Yeah, I will admit I was a band- bandwagon fan for the Warriors when in the 2015-2016 season just because that team oh, was so just so fun. fun. It was so fun. And I feel like once they got Kevin Durant, they kind of became like the Miami <laughs> They became Heat. villains, dude. Yeah, they became villains like overnight. And... I love that team too, and I love Kevin Durant. I think Kevin Durant is one of the greater small forwards of our time. Oh, dude, one of the greatest pure scorers I have ever seen in my life. But it, I, I, to this day, like I'm a big fan of of players sticking with their franchise, which I'm actually very surprised that my number one isn't like Dirk Nowitzki. Dirk, oh, like any moment Dirk. with Dirk Nowitzki, just because he. Like he could have, he could have left multiple times, but he stuck it. He stuck it out in Dallas, and, and the way that he won. won his first title, beating that super team in Miami to do it, man. Yes, well, you doesn't get it, that's. It's from a movie. Like at that point, he was a little bit older. You know, he's like the grandpa, but he had that one free throw streak where he literally drained like fifty in a row. I was mm-hmm. like, dude, Dirk Nowitzki is not messing around. And then when he hit the playoffs. 
they were like, let's unleash him. We're not limiting his minutes. We are just letting him go because he is so close. And the fact that he beat LeBron's crazy super team to do, uh, do oh man, so many. We should just have just a basketball moments one of these days, man. There are so many good ones. Yeah, there's so many good ones. And I'm kicking myself right now for not putting that Dirk Nowitzki as my number one. But Tommy, you you kind of hinted at it before your your Regency bias. But hold on, hold on. One? So I just want to do a quick <laughs> summary of what we talked about. Number five was 1988 when MJ went from the goat of basketball to just an icon across everywhere. Mm-hmm. Everyone in the world knew who he was after that slam dunk, put Jordan sneakers on the map. Then number four, I said, you know what? What's a little bit better than Jordan becoming an absolute icon? Miracle on ice, because everything that involved the Cold War, the underdog story, you love to see it. USA, let's go. Then what's better than that? Oh, how about the 1936 Summer Olympics where Jesse Owens literally just gave the middle finger to Adolf Hitler and was like, yo, bro, the Aryan race isn't superior. We got this. And then finally... I said Jackie Robinson breaking the color barrier for all African-Americans, not just for baseball, but just sports in general is something so beautiful to see. But there's one moment that makes all those moments so insignificant. And everyone, I know you know what this is, because this is probably the biggest moment of not just sports, but the history of the world, I think, bigger than everything. Play that clip. No doubt in my mind, it'll happen again. Second and two. Uh-oh. Brady gets hit. The ball is out. And Philadelphia has it. Yes! Derek Barnett comes away with it. Brandon Graham was one of the guys who got in there. Oh, Brandon Graham's my daddy. I love that you picked this clip because I hate the Patriots with a passion. <laughs> and... Like, I know you're a huge Eagles fan. I'll let you have the floor for this to just, like, okay. just gush. Let me just paint Eagles. this context real quick, okay? You, Emily. I talk about Emily sometimes. She's my wife. Love her dearly, dearly. But when I met her, one thing about me is I'm a very, like, animated person. I, sh- I keep my emotions on my sleeve. But I am not overly sensitive. Uh, I don't show my emotions in that way very well. As in, I, I just don't cry. And that's not, like, a macho thing. I just... I don't know. I just don't cry very often. And I've been with my wife for several, several years now, and she's never seen me cry. And I always joked with her saying there are be three times in my life where you will most likely see me cry when uh, we get married, when we have our first child and when the Eagles win the Super Bowl. Two of those three things have happened. I got married. I did not cry. Eagles won the Super Bowl. I didn't cry. I almost threw up. But I didn't cry because I was just so overcome with emotion. Just being a Philadelphia fan, being an Eagles fan, I bleed green. In my wedding, underneath my tuxedo, I have a Eagle shirt. And everyone in my groomsmen, to ask them to be my groomsmen, I gave them an Eagle shirt that was customized with their favorite number as like in the back. It was one of those like t-shirt jersey things. On the back had their uh, favorite number had their last name, and on my wedding day, of course, all, all of us are wearing tuxes. I asked all of them to wear it under their shirts, so one of the pictures we could have with me and all the guys, we kind of open up our shirts like Superman, and you see the Eagles logo underneath. I After we got married, after a ceremony, our walkout song after the ceremony was the Eagles fight song. Like, I bleed green, and there were so many 
the biggest knock in Philadelphia Eagles history was they just can't win the Super Bowl. There was a span from like 2003 to 2007, whatever that was, where we went to the NFC Championship game three times in a row and we lost. One game away from the Super Bowl, we lost. And finally, Andy Reid was able to get us there. And then we lost by one field goal by guess who? The Patriots. Now fast forward, 2017. Uh, 2017 is a hugely emotional year for me because I actually lived in Kansas City for two years. I got laid off right after my wedding. Uh, I took a week off for my wedding, had a honeymoon, drove straight from Pennsylvania. When I came back from my honeymoon, straight to Kansas City, 18-hour drive. Soon as I come in for my first day, they asked me for a meeting. I thought it was to kind of catch me up on everything I lost. They informed me they're going to have to lay me off. So now I had to pack up all my things, move back to Pennsylvania, embarrassed that I lost my job, had to move in with Emily's parents. This is 2017. The only thing I had in my life that was still constant was the Eagles. I was like, you know, everything sucks right now, but at least I have the Eagles. And what did they do? They win the freaking Super Bowl. But the way they did it, Carson Wentz, who was having an MVP season, goes down. Nick Foles comes in. Storybook, man. Literally, we win the Super Bowl with a backup quarterback against Tom Brady, the greatest quarterback of all times. I know this is a long tangent, but my passion that I have for the Eagles, everyone who knows me knows that I love the Eagles. In this man cave, or I call this the man cave where I get to record my podcast. It's actually my little office. In front of me are two framed newspapers. Marley, I'm going to send this to you after the podcast. Uh, maybe you can put it on socials if you want. I have two framed uh, newspapers. And both of it is the framed newspaper of when the Eagles won the Super Bowl. One is the Philadelphia Inquirer, uh, obviously. And the other one is from the local newspaper of where I was at the time. And you showed the clip of Brandon Graham strip stacking Tom Brady in the final minutes of the game to ice it. And I have that picture framed and autographed by Brandon Graham in my house. Every time I come into the um this office, you know how like sometimes college football people or even MLB or any sports people, they sometimes have like a ritual where they like touch a little sign. Every time I come into this room, I kind of give that a pat. Dude, being a Philadelphia fan, I'm so used to disappointment. But when they finally did it and everyone now bags on me because the Eagles have been struggling, I say, that's fine. They did something I never thought that would happen in my lifetime. And I know that sounds dramatic, but once again, the Eagles never won the Super Bowl and you can make the argument they shouldn't have won 2017. You could say it was a fluke and you know, I would agree with you. I'd say, yeah, it probably was a fluke, but guess what? It still happened. Exactly. So I will never be able to repay the Philadelphia Eagles for what they did for me that 2017 season. And dude, just like how you like pretty much almost got in a car accident when <laughs> you uh, heard what was happening when you're driving home, when this happened, I I was honestly at a loss for words when that strip sack happened. I was almost through. I remember, still remember I was in the room. I had a couple friends with me and they said, no, no, no. Tommy, don't celebrate. It's still Tom Brady. But I knew in my heart when that happened, I said, it's over. I cannot believe we did it. And everyone's like, no, 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 it's Brady. I was like, no, dude, you don't. I know. Like, I know they won. This is unbelievable. And, oh, dude, I think I just wanted like a 20-minute tangent. But I just wanted to paint a context why this is the greatest single moment of my life. And my wife knows that. I, I got married, and she has even accepted that the – I always say, it's not that you're not as important as the Eagles. Just know that I loved the Eagles more than I've loved you. Just duration-wise. 
that's that that just shows true love that your wife has for you because she realizes that sports can never trump the, the love that you have for her. I feel like that that is honestly like the best aspect of a, of any woman that can realize like hey 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 babe I'm I'm sorry but the game is on game 7 world series like 3 minutes left in the fourth <laughs> quarter like uh, I promise I'll pay attention to you like after but yeah no this is my time emily is so wonderful with that one last thing i want to uh say is like every sunday when it's nfl football season like my wife is so wonderful i don't even have to tell her she just knows like oh hey can you and tommy come over do blah blah on sunday she she automatically says oh i might be able to but tommy can he's busy like she automatically makes an excuse for him be like oh no he's he's busy like he can't do it and it's just wonderful. And now, of course, football is on Monday night, Thursday night, Sunday night. She knows football so well. She's actually a football fan herself now, but she knows football so well to the point where, like, she just knows. Like, she'll never ask me to do chores. She'll never ask me to do anything ever on those nights. And, oh, man, you're right. I, I'm, I am lucky in that aspect. Yeah, I love also that we both picked moments where our teams won, like, the championship like at like the best like i love like those moments just because you had like that certain moment in your life everyone has a story and everyone has like a moment on where they were when their team just defeated every other team and are on top of the world world at that one like the giants absolutely you can't they they can't take it away from you that that happened they were the best they were the world champions and that's when that happened with the eagles i never thought I would ever, ever live to see that day. Yeah. And I'm honestly like, like I uh, like having my Giants moment at number three, like just means that my number one is just as good. But I, what I will say, I will talk a little bit more about that 2010 team just because like we were the best at that moment, but we were kind of, that team was like a ragtag team. Like, mm-hmm. like just kind of like you said with the, like your, uh, with your Eagles, like you won with a backup quarterback. It's like, it's, it, it's, it, uh, I love teams that were just kind of like, they're just kind of scrambling to just win the game and stuff like that. I, I, I absolutely love that you picked that moment and how passionate you are for, for your Eagles. This is, I, as much as I dislike the Phillies, as much as I like, dislike most Philly like teams, I love its fans so much because like their passion runs deep. And oh I, yeah, I, I I love that your the the passion the passion runs deep for all their teams, and I feel like they're the only like city that like like that 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 it can say that for Philadelphia like their like their fans are are crazy. I like yeah, no offense, like there Tommy. are so <laughs> many passionate fans, but like my favorite thing is like no one loves their sports team as much as philadelphia fans does but that's not me to be cocky but i follow that up saying no one also hates their team as much as eagles fans or no sorry philly fans do so anytime anyone tries to roast the eagles in front of me i laugh i'm like on is that the best you got like i hate them more than you do so there's nothing you can say that can hurt me because i can promise you i hate this freaking team more than you do but i freaking love them like that, that's just how philadelphia fans are in general that's how phillies fans are that's how flyers fans are. that's how eagles fans are for sure but you, I mean, I mean, there's a reason why Philadelphia fans have a reputation, right? I, I don't have to explain to you. All I have to say is, oh yeah, I'm a Philadelphia fan. I grew up in Philly. You automatically kind of have a notion of, oh, okay, 
I know what that means. <laughs> right. There's a exactly. reason, right? Yeah. Uh, the city of brotherly love. They love their teams, <laughs> but they also hate them too. <laughs> when the, when the time is right. But right. I love that your number one is also a defensive play too, because my number one is also a defensive play. Ooh, I, I this. Lo- this is I love defense so much. Offense is so fun to watch, but defense, especially this moment, I was I was on like it's not my favorite team of all time, but it's my favorite player of all time. See, this moment, I remember I'm I'm sitting I'm sitting at a bar watching this game with Cameron Avery. The Cameron Avery, the creator of the water cooler intro. He was rooting for the Warriors. I'm rooting for the Cavaliers because the Cavaliers have never won a world championship ever. Like in their in in their history. LeBron James has go has he went back to Cleveland. Like he defied the odds. Like he came back to Cleveland to to give him a a, a championship. And this final moment, like the the Warriors and the Cavaliers were gridlocked at 89. It started, I think it was like four minutes, four minutes left. They were gridlocked Mm -hmm. at 89. No one would score. It was so much defense. That block, LeBron, the chase down block. LeBron, oh my God. He was so far back. And him blocking Igadala and slamming it against the window, I I jumped up from the table and I spilled my beer everywhere. <laughs> I was just like, I've never seen a more inhuman thing in my entire life. He like even hearing like Mark Jackson as you can hear in the clip, he like he basically just said, Wow. Like that's all you could really say about like LeBron James. I know I said like Michael Jordan, like he has his legacy. I feel like this is LeBron James's legacy, seeing like that block on Iguodala, and just like, like if if Iguodala gets that layup, I feel like the Warriors win this game. It was absolutely historic on so many levels. Like you mentioned, the Cavaliers have never done it. They had their so-called savior in LeBron, and then he did the ultimate heel turn and said he was taking his talents to South Beach, and everyone vilified him. And then, you know, he won a couple championship. He could have picked anywhere. He could have gone anywhere. I know there's a lot of talks. Oh, is he going to go to the Bulls? Like, what's going to happen? Then he returned to Cleveland, has that historic block, brings them a championship. Just uh, absolutely unbelievable. And that's for me. When I saw that happen and saw that LeBron delivered, and I know LeBron, you know, one of the best of athletes ever, most recognizable but if you were to probably ask him what championship out of your, you know, very decorated career meant the most, I'd have a hard time believing he would say anything outside of that single championship. And I honestly, I struggled like putting this as my number one, just because Kyrie with the, like, like with the dagger, like the three point dagger, like, like basically like the next play. But I feel like LeBron, like if he, like I said, if he doesn't get this block, Iguodala gets that layup. I feel like the momentum Golden State is, wins probably. But momentum turns back to Golden State because gold like Oracle Arena or Roracle Arena, as people always like to call it, like that is like the the fact that he did that 
in like a hostile environment like like Oakland, California and Oracle Arena, just it, it just puts the cherry on top. And I this is why LeBron James is like like I will argue to the grave why he is the best of this generation at least. Like I I can have multiple like I can have multiple like arguments with people why like with Jordan and LeBron and Kobe, but I uh, like because of this block alone, I feel like LeBron kind of takes the cake, but just just barely, just barely. But yeah, I probably I mean, made that's a lot why of people angry. Is there, right? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> because it shouldn't be that easy. It shouldn't be. No, it's easily MJ. No, it's easily Kobe. No, it's easily LeBron. Like there should be an argument. Then that's what makes it so much fun. That's where the fandom comes out. But like you kind of mentioned before, you even drew this clip i love the fact that we both picked defensive plays because obviously offense is the sexy thing but Mm -hmm. the fact that defense is always so underrated but i feel like whenever a big defensive moment happens it kind of magnifies it you're like holy smokes like the defensive play has to be so good the change of you know momentum when an when a pick six happens in nfl that's unbelievable when Someone steals a home run, you know, jumps over the wall, catches it. Like, that's amazing. It's mm-hmm. like these moments that are not viewed as much because everyone's, oh, it's defense. Like, it's kind of boring. It's nitty gritty, whatever. But the fact that we both picked it, I think, says a lot about this kind of sports fans we are. We're giving the respect where it's due. But my only thing is I am absolutely floored that you didn't pick the greatest single moment in history, which was the same exact as mine. But, you know, I'll let it slide. Yeah, uh, I I will let it slide this time, but I still love my number three. But but this moment, <laughs> I it's just like I was I was just having like beers with with Cameron, like one of my be- better friends, and just like I just love that I just jumped up from the table because I love that I love it like when a team can basically they've never won a championship before, and this is their moment. I love it like when fans get their moment, and this was their moment, and. The world stopped for me. Like, like when I saw mm-hmm. that block, I was just like, oh my God. Like that, like I, like if I'm in Godala, like if I'm in Godala's shoes, like I'm scared. Like if like, look, this beast of a man running down, I'm going in for a layup and LeBron just slams it against the glass. And I'm just like, whoa, like, okay. Uh, things are, uh, uh, things are getting competitive now. But uh, I, I just, I love this final four minutes. I love that moment so much. And uh, that's why it's my number one. It's so, it's so good, but no, I don't think I can make a really strong argument saying it doesn't deserve to be a top spot on anyone's list, but Mm -hmm. I honestly feel like it's just so much fun. We just talked about so many different sports, so many different ways that it impacted us. So many different ways it impacted just a whole generation really. And it's just so great that once again, yeah, we've been talking for a little bit, Marley, but we, I would still say our friendship is still in its infancy. It's still relatively new, but to Mm -hmm. see how strong our bond is when it comes to speaking about sports, that just tells you the magic of what sports has. So I'm hoping, you know, maybe some future episodes we could come back, maybe talk about like our top five favorite sports athletes that have influenced us and don't worry i'll play by the rules this time i'll actually pick sports athletes i've watched so i won't be like oh yeah babe ruth <laughs> no but, I, yeah i love that you picked jackie robinson and like all these like old clips just because that's what that's like the best moments for you it's like i like 
I love sports. I love that it can make people feel like good, make people feel bad. And just like, I love the stories it creates. Uh, it's yeah. like, especially like with baseball, baseball, like baseball's baseball games last so long, but so much could happen like in those nine innings. Like, I, I don't know, like someone could be like, oh, oh, for five with the bases loaded. And he like this pitcher has ownage like on this guy. But one little base hit can win the game. And I just I, I just love that it, it can come down to these little tiny moments. I, I, I just love that about baseball and just sports in general. Uh, but Tommy, thank you for coming on and sharing like your favorite sports moments. Uh, where could people find you online? You know, so I have a podcast of my own called You Dive Deep. We are currently in season two. I had this legend on here himself. Mr. Marley was on my show as well, and we had a phenomenal conversation. I'm not going to give away anything. I hope people can run over to it. But yeah, been doing a fun little podcast. We just kind of talk about things kind of pretty deep. I don't want to say it's a philosophical podcast, but what it's meant to do is slow life down we just try to talk about one single question and it's always fun to kind of see what other kind of conversation it generates and i had an absolute blast having you on just like i'm having a great time on here but yeah if you guys are looking for a podcast that you want to throw onto your your rotation something different then uh give mine a listen and if you don't want to hey that's fine too i'm just happy to be here tommy i just enjoy being in your presence even though that being in your presence is just online for right now but you're a legendary human being. I'm glad we could share some of our favorite moments, sports moments of all time. And uh, I, I hope, uh, I hope uh, you'll have many more Philadelphia sports moments and, uh, and just many more sports moments in general. Like we got the Olympics coming up. So uh, we, we probably get plenty of sports moments there, but Oh, yeah. I'm sure we're going to be chatting about that a lot, of course, for sure. But yeah, once again, dude, it's been a pleasure. But I got to say, fly, Eagles, fly. (laughs) I love that. I love that. And I'll I'll, I'll just end it on. You know what? I bleed purple for life. Kings fan for life. I love it, man. All right. We'll we'll talk. uh, um, We'll see you later.